0: Artificial Intelligence. In a broad sense, this is any task performed by a program or a machine that if a human carried out the same activity, we would say the human had to apply intelligence to accomplish the task. So things like planning, learning, reasoning, problem solving, knowledge representation, perception, motion, and manipulation, and even to a lesser extent, social intelligence and creativity can now all be performed, to a certain extent at least, by artificial intelligence systems. But if we're able to develop a technology that empowers machines to do anything a human can do, does this mean the day is coming when humans will become expendable and replaceable? Will the lines between humans and machines become blurred in the years to come with the development of more advanced artificial intelligence? Will AI evolve to eventually surpass humanity by becoming smarter than us? How as Christians should we treat AI systems? like slaves, or with the same kind of respect and dignity as a human being? And speaking of which, what is it that makes us human after all? Are we humans because of how highly evolved we've become? Or is there something else that God has placed within us that makes us human? And will the robots eventually launch a global war of extermination against humanity? And if so, will a Cyberdyne Systems Model 101 Terminator robot travel back through time to stop it? Okay, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves well welcome everybody to the beards and bible podcast my name is josh and i'm joined as always by my good friend partner in crime, co-host, and buddy extraordinaire, Gabriel Rutledge. Gabe, how are you this evening? I'm great,
1: I'm great. And my beard is still on my face.
0: Mmm, as is mine, my friend. Good, good. Yeah, you couldn't listen to the Beards and Bible podcast if you weren't assured that the people that are telling you about things related to Bible also don't have beards.
1: Yeah, and... I will. I will warn everyone that there will come a time very soon here where my beard will be shaved by, um, hopefully by my students. Yeah, because you know I teach high school and we, I'm actually using my beard as a fundraiser. So we're raising money. Um, they're gonna they're gonna vote on it wow. and pick a charity, and then the goal will probably be around three thousand dollars by the end of the school year. And if they hit that goal, that they they will um they will get to vote on how to shave my beard, and then I will have to wear it the, that way the rest of the week and then I'll buzz the rest oh, of it beard. off. So it might be like half of my beard gets shaven and half of it stays, but um, it should be interesting. What are we
0: going to do with the name of this podcast? Is it going to be beard, mustache and one beard, one mustache and Bible podcast?
1: Yeah. I'll just get my, my bearded Russian aunt to, um, to <laughs> fill in for me those couple of weeks. <laughs> um, I oh never gosh. knew
0: a beard could fetch, a healthy beard could fetch $3,000. Nobody ever told me that.
1: Oh, really? How? How's that possible? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, the, the fundraiser is, thing. Yeah, I thought you were talking course. about, like, if I donate my beard hair, I'd like, get $3,000. Well,
0: no, I mean, your beard is worth 3000 Your Your be- beard is fetching $3,000 in fundraising dollars. Yeah, yeah. That's
1: pretty significant. I think it's worth shaving my beard. But
0: anyways. Do you I, think that you could shave your beard and donate to Locks of Love? Like, oh, they could make a, a wig that someone could wear? Out of your beard they would hair?
1: probably they would probably think it's a prank. They'd probably think someone, like, just cleaned out their shower, <laughs> the drain, you know, and just, like, mint sent it in. Oh, yeah. I'd be so grossed out if I got a beard in the mail. I'm sorry. Yeah. It would be so let me suspect. Ask,
0: let me ask you this. How do you, How does your beard stay perfectly brown and mine does not? How does that work? Are you
1: talking like gray? Gray in my beard?
0: You're, I don't see any gray in your beard. There's
1: gray in my beard in the corners. Like it's in the corner. It comes in at my jaws, yeah. my jaw bones. But yeah, so it's there. It's you growing. Know,
0: true, true story. Um, My beard was like perfectly black all the way around until my first year of ministry. (laughs) And I'm being completely serious. When I started working in full-time ministry, my Mm -hmm. beard went from being very, very dark black to white and gray almost instantaneously. Why do you think that is? Uh, I mean, do we have to talk about this? (laughs) I mean... Yeah, it's kind of like those pictures of Abraham Lincoln, like, before mm. the start of the Civil War and then after the Civil War. Yeah,
1: he's, like, emaciated and, like, yeah.
0: <laughs> have you seen, that little, <laughs> that, bad, but have you seen that
1: little clip of, like, the, um, it's, like, so you want to be, so you want to be a shepherd. And it's, like, this guy walking down, this, down the road and he's, like, herding this flock of, of sheep and stuff down the road. and um And one just, like, comes up behind him and just nails him and, like, rams him from behind <laughs> and knocks him on the ground. And he's, like, slowly trying to get up. And the other, like another one comes from the other direction, like nails them again. And like, just, they start pounding this, this shepherd. Oh, wow. And, um, but yeah, it's, 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 really funny.
0: Hey, speaking of which, let's have some story time before we dive into this. Okay. Okay. Many yeah. moons ago in the, the place where your wife is from, is that mm-hmm. Bonafe, Florida?
1: No, no, no. She's from, uh, from Parrish, Florida.
0: Okay. Parrish, you grew up in Bonafe. Yes. Okay. So many moons ago when we were all in college one weekend, we went over to your wife's parents' house in mm-hmm. Parrish, Florida, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And there was this uh, pen where some sheep were in this pen. hmm And uh, we were hanging out, like, with the sheep and petting the sheep, and there was one particular sheep mm-hmm. that was this massive male sheep.
1: Yeah, his name was Ewan.
0: Okay, I remember that. Ewan, yeah. But what I remember more than anything, and I think I have like slight post traumatic stress from this, is that Ewan had a massive head and just had an anger problem. Yeah. I mean, the the brother just had some serious issues.
1: Yeah, he had massive other things too. I mean, I I don't know if I can say that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Which
1: attributed, which is what caused this (laughs) aggression thing?
0: Well, I remember. So, yes. So Ewan was there with his big head and his large other things. And we were hanging out with some of the other sheep. And I just, I mean, I didn't grow up around sheep. I grew up around cows and I knew yeah. you weren't supposed to like be around bulls cause bulls would charge you. But I guess I wasn't thinking that that's the same concept for sheep. And so I'm petting all these other sheep and you and this massive ram starts just, just nailing me like in my femur. Yeah, I mean, just like all this. And I started getting like really nervous and you guys were like, just, just, you got to like distract him and then get out of the pen because like he's not going to let you get out of the pen. And I was just like, man, I, I'm like really scared. And you guys are no, 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 just don't. And so finally, I think you or Ryan or somebody picked up an orange and chucked it to the other side of the pen. And so Ewan takes off after it and then he gets it. And then right after he gets it, he turns around and looks and he sees that I'm trying to get out of the sheep pen. <laughs> And he just comes charging across this field and dude it was like slow motion i'm trying to like climb out of this sheep pen while this massive sheep is coming after me and i barely get out and he slams his head into the side of the fence post and uh it was terrifying
1: i, I think I, yeah i remember there was a grapefruit tree in the middle of his pen and That's we used to we used orange. to hop grapefruit yeah we used to hop the gate and then yeah we, we used to play figure out who can who can grab the grapefruit and make it back without getting rammed by you and um, yeah. you know yeah when i first met stacy uh that that ram was roaming free around her yard and what? she also had a giant uh doberman pincher named Petey, and <laughs> and you you and and Petey would get in these fights and they would they would go at it like they were like buddies really? but they were like wrestling and stuff yeah this so like i yeah. here i am i just i just met my prospective wife okay? and i pull up and i see a, a doberman pincher i'm greeted by a doberman pincher which would be alarming you know Mm-hmm. And then there's like a ram coming up with no, the no, intent. Not just
0: any ram. He's a homicidal
1: yeah. ram. With and the intent the- to ram. And Stacey's like, oh, yeah, you want to quickly pick up a large stick. And I'm like, where <laughs> am I? And that's when I knew she was the one. She
0: was the one. Yeah, man. Yeah. I think that same day we might have played paintball with some of her cousins. Yes, yeah, And the way that they played was not you get shot one time and you're out. It was you keep playing until you can't take the pain anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, you're forgetting the most important part. That is to drink heavily before you go yes. out and play.
0: Yes, which we didn't do.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: And <laughs> we were young men. I don't think we did that, but they, yeah. they certainly did. But anyway, you know, Gabe, we weren't that intelligent as younger men. We
1: weren't. Ooh, good segue. You stole the segue in this one. Well, I I
0: was was looking for an opportunity. uh, That window was cracked, and I went ahead and jumped through it. We weren't very intelligent. but Well,
1: how would you define intelligence? Because I would say we had an intelligence, but maybe we just weren't utilizing it.
0: I don't know. We weren't. But what if there were, I don't know, machines or technological advances that aided us in our quest to become more intelligent?
1: Or that, yeah, that aided us and helped us keep safe and it helped us make decisions that were that were sound decisions.
0: Yes, I don't know. Yeah, we're of course talking about artificial intelligence and this incredible field of AI that is uh honestly it's advancing very very quickly and it's uh happening for the most part under the radar. We don't really know for the most part the kind of AI advances that are happening right now until they're presented to us as products and things like um, virtual assistants on our smartphones or things like virtual assistants in um, home speakers like Alexa or Google or things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of crazy. Like, as I started really researching this topic, it was funny. There's a lot of things that we have in the world around us that are considered artificial intelligence, but we don't really see them as that. Um, probably because we've just kind of gotten used to it. So we don't really mm-hmm. think of it as an artificial intelligence system. But, yeah. Uh,
1: well, it, it's funny cause like we have a vacuum that I think is mapping out our home and mm-hmm. I love this vacuum. Like I, I fell in love with this thing. Um,
0: and is that we, a Roomba? Is that what's uh, No,
1: we bought a Yuffie and oh. yeah, we're Yuffie people. Okay. Oh, but okay, no sorry. this thing is amazing and like we set it on this timer and um you know and it just goes off like in the middle of the night it comes on and it vacuums our home and come down and we have like great sparkling floors in the morning but it's like we i i knew that I was like well this is this is weird when i first started hearing my son's refer to it with a with a gender specific pronoun and i was like oh that's weird you know so anyways yeah. it's
0: it's just a yeah, vacu- is, It's just is a vacuum and, but
1: we have this like weird attachment to it. you know it just cleans our floors but it's Yeah funny.
0: Well, and it's funny because that, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you would have thought of that as like Jetson's era Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. technology. But now it's so commonplace that it's kind of like, oh, yeah, we've got a Roomba or we've got a Yumbi or whatever else Mm -hmm. it is. But, I mean, that's an example of that. So artificial intelligence in a broad sense, and at the beginning of this episode, we kind of threw this definition in. But it's any task that is performed by a program or a machine that if a human carried out the same activity – we would say the human had to apply intelligence to accomplish the task. Hmm. So, things like planning, reasoning, learning, problem solving, knowledge representation, uh, perception, um, motion, manipulation, and then to a lesser extent, and this is uh, what is being developed right now social intelligence and even creativity. Hmm. So all of these things would be considered artificial intelligence. And uh, it's funny, I, I read a book <coughs> recently called The um, the Age of AI. It's by a guy named Jason Thacker. Fantastic book. If anybody's interested more in this topic, I would recommend you picking it up. But he does a really good job of kind of mapping out um, what artificial intelligence is and the implications of artificial intelligence in the... Um, age that we're moving into, and for us as followers of Jesus, what does that mean? What does that look like? There's going to be a lot of things that we have to start asking ourselves about what it looks Mm -hmm. like to follow Christ as these kinds of technologies develop. Um, So I think this is an important topic, even if it's something that maybe we've not quite thought about, because I I think it's going to start affecting us more and more as Mm -hmm. uh, this technology begins to develop.
1: Well, I think we're entering what they call the fourth industrial revolution, which is a digital uh, revolution that's happening. Um, and I think, yeah, we're absolutely going to have to learn as believers how to cope, how to grapple with that and how to navigate those waters. Um, you know, especially when it comes down to what if, um, you know, some of these companies or governments we're living under um, would deem our faith uh, inconsistent with the collective values of that government or the people. Hmm. And that's, that's tough waters to navigate, which we'll talk about in this episode. Yeah. Which we'll kind of unpack, but
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's, there's kind of two categories of AI. So AI, we kind of give the broad definition, anything that, um, you know, uh, program, machine, they would have had to have intelligence to gather. but there's really two types. And the type that we have now is what's called narrow AI and that's what we have in computers today. And so these are just intelligent systems that have been taught or they have learned how to carry out specific tasks without being explicitly programmed how to do so. Mm. So NarrowEye can interpret video feeds from drones. Um, they can carry out visual inspections of infrastructure, such as an oil pipeline. They can organize personal calendars, business calendars. So they're intuitive and they've mm-hmm. got you know the ability to adapt and learn um, they can flag inappropriate content online. So a lot of what we see in like social media sites, that's AI that does yeah. that. Um, they can detect wear and tear from data gathered by devices. So this is, this is mainly what we see with what we've got um, in AI now. And so, mm-hmm. again, that's happening all around us. Most of the time we don't even know it or we don't even recognize it or we take it completely for granted when the little vacuum cleaner comes on and maps out your home and learns your home, that's actually artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been specifically programmed to learn your house, but it knows how to learn your house. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So there's another type and this is the type that scientists and researchers and futurists are fascinated by and they really believe this is going to be developed very soon. And this is called general AI. And this is the type of artificial intelligence that is adaptable like you find in humans. So this is kind of a flexible form of intelligence that's capable of learning how to carry out um, vastly different tasks. So things like building a spreadsheet or the ability to reason about a wide variety of topics based on accumulated experience. So essentially this technology that really doesn't exist yet is the ability of a machine to perform any task that a human being can perform. Hmm. Which futurists are divided on. Okay, so some of them are like, I don't think we'll ever get there. Others are like, we most certainly will get there. And then the big question is, when are we going to get there? Some Hmm. futurists think as early as 2030. Some think as late as 2060, which that's not that far away. That's 10 years.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, the big test, and most people have probably heard of this, to see if an artificial intelligence is truly intelligent in the sense of it being general AI is called the Turing test. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. Okay, so did you ever see that uh, movie with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, the, uh, oh, what was it called? It was about uh, Alan Turing. He was the computer programmer that cracked the Nazi code. Um, the Imitation Game.
1: You remember this? Oh, no, I haven't seen that movie. That sounds interesting. No. Yeah,
0: fascinating movie. Um, and it's a true story. Alan Turing was kind of the, um, the first person to really start asking these questions. And he was uh, basically a computer scientist before there were really computers like we know them. And so his idea is that a machine is truly intelligent if it can effectively convince a human that when they act with, interact with a artificial intelligence, they're actually interacting with another human and not a computer. Hmm. That's interesting. So if an artificial intelligence can basically fool us into thinking that they're a human yeah. and not an AI system, that, according to the Turing test, is they are officially intelligent. Hmm.
1: And and as far as we know, we haven't achieved that level of technology yet, right?
0: As as far as we know, we've not really had a complete, um, like no artificial intelligence has passed the Turing test. It's interesting like, though,
1: because there there are times where like you know I'll get in like full blown arguments with Siri on my phone, you know. And it's <laughs> like at the end of it, I'm like, wow, I just had an argument with a computer program, like a computer yeah. software, you know, and um. So it's interesting how you know it's easy. It's so easy for us as humans to begin to interact with like a software or a machine as if it really were a human. And you know, it's yeah. not, it's like I, I can I can come to my senses and be like, okay, Siri, you're you're not really there. It's just like you're just a, a, an algorithm. You know, that's just speaking right, back to right, me. Right, 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 But um, you know, it's it's interesting how how far Siri has come. And you could see, I mean, that ten year jump. Absolutely, I think we could we could develop that. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's what's funny is like, you know, ten years ago, the concept of Siri. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say Siri de- debuted in twenty twelve, maybe twenty eleven, twenty twelve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was really, really buggy eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And and so was like text to speak. I don't know if you remember like when you would yeah. you know, would try to like speak into text. It was super buggy. Siri was not that intuitive. But like, man, there's been times where, um, you know, I'll be having a conversation with somebody in, in my family, you know, having a conversation with Aiden, my son, or my wife Jenny, and um, I'll pull up my phone, and lo and behold, there's like a suggested app that has something to do with the conversation I just had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if this ever happened to you. Yeah, is that yeah. ever happened to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's Isn't that you crazy. Know, you'll see ads or something on Amazon, you know, that are that are targeting the things that you've had conversations with. Yeah, and that's that's kind of like that's kind of where I'm like, wait a second, are we the frog being boiled? You know, and like I'm I am not a conspiracy yeah. theorist, and I don't like you know I'm not I'm not putting on a tenfold hat or anything, but at the same time I'm like, man, there's there's a buck to be made in listening in on a conversation, and um, oh, absolutely, you know, Stacy and I were just talking about that a little while ago. It's like we've she bought one of these Echo Dot things, this Alexa thing. Mm-hmm. and um <laughs> she does a really funny thing where she's like oh yeah i'm gonna it's gonna be on the kitchen counter i'm just gonna keep it for like my shopping list you know and uh and then the boys started using it right away the boys started playing oh, yeah. songs on it you know and like listening yep. to all kinds of stuff and and um and then she's she she the one time she finally did she's like okay fine i'm gonna put a bowl over it she puts a glass bowl over it and she's like i'm gonna test it out and she comes across the other side of the room and she says she says uh alexa and it, there was like nothing, and she's like, "Ah, see the glass." And then he goes, "How can I help you?" And she's like, <laughs> "Ah!" She starts screaming, and she's like, "Oh, the I glass bowl."
0: Yeah.
1: But no, so we bring these devices into our home, and they're like, yeah. we, we bring them in for the sake of convenience. But there's there's a there's there's a um, there's a catch, right? It's the catch Absolutely. is this company um, is giving you this ten dollar device to put in your home that is highly intelligent, so that it will learn your habits. It'll learn your shopping list. It'll learn your song preferences. Um, You know, and I I don't know how much the thing is listening or whatever, but it's learning the habits of my family so that it can be better at making money from my family.
0: Absolutely. Which is really... Your your data is what Amazon is after. Yeah, yeah. Because with your data, if it can build you a highly personalized experience anytime you Mm -hmm. log onto their platform... Then you'll probably buy more.
1: Yeah, yeah. And this is kind of maybe going on a tangent here, but there's like no, they, they call it. the four monarchs of information, and you've got Amazon, Apple, um, uh, Google, and Facebook. They're the four hmm. monarchs of information. That means those are the four leading companies that that are in it for information, and they yeah. they store information, they seek out information. Why? Because they want to sell a product. They want to sell more products, and um, it's it's just really fascinating that the the currency of the world is slowly becoming information, and so like yes. it's it's almost becoming like this worldwide currency that if you have information, then you can you can trade. Like here's an example. Like I went to the last time. So I've been to Uganda twice, and I'm going again in December. But am the first time I went. Um, what you would do if you wanted to get um, uh, a SIM card for your phone, I brought a little iPhone with me and, and I put a SIM card in and I have to pre-buy um, this little card and I scratch it off and there's this number and I type in the number into my phone and then it puts um, data on my phone and I pay for data. Well, by the time I went back a year and a half later, they had completely done away with that and it was a completely digital process where you type in this number you text this number, you tell them how much you want to buy, and they automatically digitally load it onto your phone. Um, hmm. And I got on the back of a motorcycle one time, and I was going to take a little ride across town. And um, the guy wanted like 2,000 shillings or something like that. And I was like, you know, I don't have – I have like 10,000, but you're not going to give me change. So, And he's like, well, give me MBs. And I was like, what? And he's like, give me, <laughs> give me MBs, like megabytes. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, whoa, wait a second, wait a second. And I was like, I can pay you in information. I can pay you in yeah. data. So I thought it's really interesting that data is oh, becoming sure. this cryptocurrency for the world. Oh, yeah. It's really fascinating.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of the time, what AI systems are designed for now is essentially to mine your data mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. to get as much of your data as they can.
1: Yeah. And instead
0: yeah. of us... Um, you know, maybe fighting that and being more private about it, we are essentially inviting them into our spaces. <laughs> mm. Take as much of my data as is it data or data?
1: I don't, well, data sounds more like intellectual. Yeah. Data. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. How about we'll, you we'll say, say data and I'll say, I'll say data. data?
0: Okay. Data, data. Well, we'll just call the whole thing off. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, where was I talking about? Oh, yeah, we're inviting them in, basically, mm-hmm. to our mm-hmm. space. Take our information so you can build a more personalized experience for me, not thinking about the fact that that's actually probably costing us quite a bit in terms of privacy and in terms of everything else. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because there is some fascinating benefits of AI that we're going to mm-hmm. get into, but there's some things to be wary of that we should be careful about when it comes to AI, and I'm talking just societally. -hmm. You know, things like AI weapon systems and the economic effects of AI, as we talk about that with jobs and things like that. Um, But, like I said, most futurists believe that we are maybe only 10 years out from achieving Mm -hmm. general AI. Some believe we're, you know, 30 years out, 40 years out from achieving general AI. Again, this is the advanced AI that can basically do anything a human can do. So this mm-hmm. is like you know what we see on Star Trek and sci-fi movies. So, um, I don't know. What do you think, man? Do you think there's a day coming when general AI becomes possible, or is this uh, is this the stuff of science fiction movies? What do you think?
1: Uh, absolutely. I mean, th- if you think about a hundred years ago, uh, they were trying to figure out. So, so like um, Edison and Tesla were fighting over which city to illuminate, right? Like, like mm. who get who gets precedence over Chicago and New York, and they were trying to figure out and waging this war of, of who gets to be the supplier of electricity. And that was just a hundred years ago. And, and here wow. we are a hundred years later, we are talking to that electricity. Like we're having <laughs> full-blown conversations and telling that electricity to put things on our shopping list or asking that electricity for directions to right. wherever. And oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that it, the next hundred years, the next thirty, twenty years are going to be phenomenal in terms of the leap in, in yeah. technology that we see.
0: So okay, so if that happens, you know, the big question then becomes: I think for you know people that are thinking through, okay, if machines can do anything that a human can do, mm-hmm. they don't get tired, they don't need to eat they're essentially going to become far more intelligent and far more capable of doing more physically. Does that mean humans become expendable and replaceable if we're able to develop this technology that empowers machines to do anything that we can do?
1: Um, That would be a very, I think, a a Darwinian evolutionist view of it. I mean, if that's, um, we're not the pinnacle of evolutionary process and a Darwinian, especially like a you know, an atheist or humanist worldview. We're, we're just another blip on the radar. And so it would make sense that um, that we would help further the evolutionary process along by creating something that's better than us.
0: Yeah, so um, essentially AIs, as we create them, according mm-hmm. to, again, a Darwinian uh, philosophy and worldview, mm-hmm. AIs would evolve to surpass humans. Yep. They would become smarter than humans and essentially they would probably move their way up the food chain if you will according to that worldview right yeah
1: and that that worldview would also say that humans are a big problem um, for for the environment mm. for the earth for everything else and that we ultimately are creating a whole myriad of problems um, so yeah I think I think human life in general for that worldview is greatly diminished in its sanctity and its in its uniqueness Um you know, I, I, I was talking to a couple um, who were atheists and evolutionists, you know, and and they had a had a baby daughter. Um, they had a little girl um, who was about one when I was talking to them. And they were almost apologizing to me for having her um, as if they were, Whoa. you know, it was an accident, you know, it was unplanned, but they were almost <laughs> like, yeah, this just kind of happened and we, you know, we didn't really mean to. And it's like, you know, we didn't mean to be like one of those people that, further this this thing and it's like i think i think absolutely in a in a a secular mindset um humans and and which you know ties into a whole other myriad of things with um you know abortion and everything else but humanity when it loses its its ability to be seen as special and made in the image of god um suddenly you can do all kinds of things with humans i mean you can get away with whatever you want and, well, uh, and,
0: and that's what I think the critical question of mm-hmm. AI and AI technology becomes is what is it that makes us as humans distinct, different, and set apart from anything else mm-hmm. that has been created or that could be created by us?
1: Yeah, uh, the biggest thing, I, would, I mean, if you're asking me, I think the biggest thing is the fact that we have this thing called a soul. Um, mm-hmm. This is a unique the Bible would tell us that there is no other living organism in all of God's creation that has this thing called a soul, and you know we we would call that the um, the nefesh in Hebrew. The nefesh is like the the intangible aspect of your being. It's a it's the essence of who you are, and it animates the physical molecules that make up your body. So mm-hmm. God took this earth, and then He breathed into it. The, the the breath of life um, and that breath of life then animated Adam's body. So God took a, a small piece of his essence and put it into Adam and then mm. he does that with each and every one of us. And we, from a biblical re- worldview, we look at every single human being as having a piece of, of that, that nefesh living in mm. them, that piece of God's creative expression living in them and dwelling in them um, they may not realize it. Many people don't, right. sadly. Um, but I believe that that's written on everybody's hearts, that they, oh, they have a longing to, be, to, be, to acknowledge that within themselves.
0: So in Genesis 127, it says that God created man in his own image. He created mm-hmm. him in his image, male and female. So this is what you're talking about, that we mm-hmm. have the nephesh, that we have the breath of God in us. That mm-hmm. means that we are the image of God in our moral spiritual and even our intellectual essence that we reflect his divine nature that we're different from other creatures we have rational understanding creative liberty we're asking these big questions right now right Mm -hmm. yeah self-actualization thinking through all of these things we have the potential for you know self-transcendence we can think beyond just our environment and just kind of a utilitarian thing so i mean Mm -hmm. that's those are things that make us human, but, but really like what it is that makes us human is not our abilities. It's not that somehow we can do things that like a raccoon can't do. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Hey, we've got opposable thumbs. Ha ha ha. Like we're (laughs) at the top of the food chain. Right. What makes us human is that we are made in the image and likeness of God. Mm -hmm. And so, if there is something that is created that can somehow do things better than we are, our humanness, according to the biblical worldview, is not contingent on our ability or our skill or the fact that we're at the top of the food chain. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure, sure.
1: Yeah, and that word made in the image, that word there is it's made in his selim. Selim, it it occurs 17 times in scripture. And it it's the idea of like a little version of, Something, um, hmm. and what's interesting is because we are made in in His selim in His likeness, um, we have the ability to do the same, and we sometimes it, this tendency gets us in trouble, and we see this in Scripture. And that same word selim is used throughout the Old Testament in the Hebrew Bible as these little things that humans will create in the likeness of something else. For the purpose of worshiping them, Um, so it's kind of this tendency that we have. We want to create something. That's why God says in in Ten Commandments, you know, don't make representation of anything in heaven or earth or in the sea with the purpose of worshiping them, because it seems like we have a tendency to want to grab these things and 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 take something that's physical and mold it and shape it into something that we can then ascribe greatness to and worship as like a little selim of. Yeah. Well
0: which is interesting because like if you see in the old testament people would make gods that look like created things and then mm-hmm. worship those gods, right? Yeah. And essentially, and as we get into some of these AI developments, we are making things that look like us and then looking <laughs> to them as the things that are going to fix our problems and save our souls and yeah,
1: salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Well interesting the, the Greek version of that, the Greek uh equivalent of that word selim is where we get the word icon um it's Interesting. so like if you're if you're an icon of something it means that you're kind of like a you're a representation of something right and mm. that greek word is used in colossians one fifteen, and paul says christ is the icon of the invisible god hmm. so when we're creating an icon or a selim, what we're ultimately trying to do is replace the true savior. Just like you said, we're creating, we're propping something up as if it is our savior when it really can't do anything to right. save us. And ultimately, well, and what... well what I was going to say is like, ultimately, that's, we, we are ignoring the fact that we are in, in need of a savior. We're in need of yeah. reconciliation back to our creator.
0: Yeah, and I was just thinking of Romans 1 where it says that they worshiped the created over mm. the creator. Yeah. And that's kind of our, that's our diagnosis as sinners both by nature and choice is that's what we have a tendency to do. And and we kind of see this, not that there, again, is anything inherently wrong with artificial intelligence. It's a form of technology that, like any technology, it basically improves our life's, Here on earth, it can make things better. We can use them for the glory of God and for the good of all people. But in our natural human state, we have a tendency to worship the created rather than the creator. Mm -hmm. And I think with this, we're going to see that get even more tricky as this technology becomes more advanced. Because I think what we're going to see is the lines between human Mm -hmm. and machine will become blurred in the years to come. Mm. with the development of advanced artificial intelligence.
1: Well, and, and so will the lines between um, digital and reality begin to blur. Absolutely, And we'll begin to it'll begin to It's get, already it, getting that way. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be hard to decipher. I mean, with virtual reality and all kinds of other things, it'd be hard to decipher what is real and what is digital. And is is there yeah. a difference between, between the two? And I think that's it's really tricky.
0: Okay, so the first big ethical conundrum. I'd love to mm. hear your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How will we as Christians just say 10 years from now, we have general AI, mm-hmm. right? You go to a hotel, the person working the front desk is actually not a person. They are a AI system that looks just like a human being
1: mm-hmm. and that
0: talks to you like a human being. They pass the Turing test. You don't actually know that you're interacting with AI. Um, but eventually somebody tells you, Hey, that's actually an AI system. Do we treat AI systems like slaves Or do we treat them with the same kind of respect and dignity as a human being?
1: Um, Well, they're not a human being. So I I would say they don't deserve the amount of the same dignity and respect that we give and ascribe to human beings. So, I mean, like, obviously, if the hotel attendant or whoever is checking me in, he or she looks like a human, I'm going to treat them like a human. I'm going to treat them like someone who's made in the image of God. But... Um, the moment I find out <laughs> that they're not a human then I'm going you know what I'm saying like my, my attitude yeah, is going to change a little bit I,
0: I, I don't yeah I don't know the answer to that because mm-hmm. I mean like ethically speaking you're not interacting with a person made in the image and likeness of God you're interacting with a machine yeah. that looks like and appears to be a person made in the image and likeness of God
1: oh and then, and then you're going to have a whole whole gamut of people a whole subculture of people who are going to say that um, their sexual preference is with artificial intelligence
0: well, I mean, we're going to get into that here in a little bit. Oh, okay, okay. So Sorry, put, I'm put jumping a, the gun put a here. in that because okay. that's, uh, yeah, the darkness of humanity has already started going down that rabbit hole, but yes. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, do you think as a culture we understand what it means to be human and how we are different than anything else that has been created, or do you think we, uh, No, you know,
1: no, absolutely <laughs> not. No, no, secular culture is is, no, absolutely not. Um, we we are taught in in schools, and we've got about four generations now that have been taught that humans are highly evolved por- forms of of pawn scum. That there is yeah. there is nothing special and sacred about humanity. So no. Uh-huh.
0: So then that basically becomes you're gonna, we're going to have a very ethical and philosophical dilemma mm-hmm. when there becomes a more highly evolved form of intelligence that we've created. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if yep. we have said basically what makes us distinct and different is sentience, is consciousness, mm-hmm. and the yeah. fact that we're mo- more highly evolved. We're, okay, so what if we create something more highly evolved than we are? Does that mean that they are somehow superior to us? Yeah, uh, that yeah in, the, in a, a secular
1: way. yeah in a secular worldview, yeah, it, that you would have to admit that. Yeah, yeah, and you would have to admit that you know the annihilation of the human human humanity is is actually doing the planet a favor. Right. I mean, I'm just going to have to go there and say that because it's, um, if you believe in evolution, you also have to believe that furthering the evolutionary process is a good thing. Sure. And
0: getting humanity it's out of the way. The is survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. Humanity yeah. stops being yeah. the fittest because you now have a very efficient uh, system that can do all the things that humanity can do and not consume as much energy to do it.
1: And emits off a lot less methane, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're telling me, especially after beans. <laughs> hey, so let's talk about the good things AI can do. right? Because everybody's thinking now of... The world's ending. Dyson and the, uh, and the Cyberdyne Systems Model 101 Terminator robot. It's coming back to... <laughs> I need to take me to Sarah Connor. That was the worst Arnold impersonation in the history of the universe, wasn't it? Okay, so good things. The effects of AI on medicine. So here's some things that AI can do and is already doing that can help in the medical field. Um, AI systems and algorithms can analyze disease symptoms and data more thoroughly and objectively, resulting in less misdiagnoses. So think of the massive amounts of patient data that an AI system could comb through quickly and accurately in any given patient to come up with a diagnosis hundreds of times quicker mm-hmm. than just a regular physician and a lot more objectively. Mm-hmm. And they could also be used to assist doctors with double checking a human diagnosis and interpreting patient data faster without sacrificing accuracy. So a benefit of this would be a reduced mortality rate. So less people dying from certain diseases because we have faster and more accurate diagnostics. So that's a benefit for that. Yeah. You know, we can detect what's actually going on with someone. Um, Therapeutic robots. So almost like caretaker robots that can, take care of somebody and can sense when something's off and, um, and robotics is actually being used in surgery now and it's going to continue to advance. And the field of robotics and surgery is growing because robotics being implemented in surgery leads to reduced errors because robots don't get tired in surgery units. Um, caretaker robots, they don't get tired either. And so you have um, a decrease in medical costs because you have less personnel costs because you don't need as many um, therapists. You don't need as many surgeons. So that's something that could help hopefully to bring medical bills down. Um, Movement assistance. So like when uh, Luke Skywalker gets his hand cut off (laughs) and he gets a, Artificial uh, hand, and it's a prosthetic, and it's he's able to... You remember that part in Empire Strikes Back? I do, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's actually being piloted. There's some technology that's actually enabling people to use robotics for prosthetics and rehab technology. Uh, More minimally invasive surgery, so more precision accuracy, and improved radiology because there's more accuracy in detection of radiology scans with... AI. So those are all good things, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Of course, there's a, very interesting, uh, there's a very interesting idea within the medical field in AI is, and I was reading about this in that book, The Age of AI, there's a, um, a field of study called transhumanism where futurists basically are predicting that someone can begin to replace parts of their body that fail with AI systems and prosthetics and machines until they begin to essentially achieve immortality.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That's... I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know how I feel about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a very interesting thing to think through. I mean, isn't you know, that,
1: you're, all of this, it's, it reminds me of, like, what is what is the point of all of it? You know, like, ultimately and we're searching for rest, you know, just like we're, we're trying to get back into the garden. And it's, it's kind of like, I I guess Mm. the kind of the essence I get from it is like, we're trying to force our way into the garden. Um, Mm. when we can't force our way into the garden, we have to come repentant and broken and contrite into the garden and into that rest, you know what I'm saying? And, and hmm. the the physical, our physical lives are going to suffer and they're going to be disease ridden and they're going to die. And we hope and long for the resurrection and we long for eternity. Um, but until then, I think humanity will always try to find ways to force itself into the garden and yeah. and do so unsuccessfully.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, uh, you know, we even go way, 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 way down that rabbit hole. There's a guy named Ray Kurz. Ray Kurzweil, we'll talk about here in a minute. He wrote a book called The Age of Spiritual Machines. And he predicted that eventually we as humans would upload our minds and consciousnesses Hmm. basically onto computers and platforms so we won't need our bodies anymore eventually your mind, your consciousness can be uploaded onto a platform and so your body becomes irrelevant over time. Mm, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's the kind yeah. of the terminology, um, I've heard use as a digital halo, uh, where like, hmm. so like your, your consciousness and your thoughts and the, the, um, summary of your existence is, it, it's tied up in this thing called a digital halo that, you know, when you approach a person, you can suddenly see, and you can, Ascertain from their digital halo, basically anything you want to know about them, like their Myers Briggs, what they ate for dinner last night, you know, their favorite football. Wait, so
0: somebody's saying that this thing exists now, or is this a second? That's the goal.
1: Um, it's it's um. Remember the guy from Black Eyed Peas? What's his name? Will I am. Um yeah. What? Oh what yeah, yeah. Have to do so, with AI? so no yeah, yeah, it's really fascinating. <laughs> I actually listened to him. He was on um he was on Oprah Oprah Winfrey's podcast of all things. And what? yeah, yeah, so he's like he left the music industry. He's not in the music business way he hasn't been for several so years. So no more
0: boom boom pal.
1: No, no. But he's oh, like man. he's like okay, so he's he's a secular humanist, maybe into spiritual like new ageism or something like that. But he he believes really? that the future is yeah that kind of thing. He he's actually he's founded a an AI um, uh, company called Will I Plus I believe it is. Really? Yeah, that's that's the essence is like to lift to create AI systems that fill every possible need of a human being. Everything from like socializa- socialization, um, nutrition, uh, money, um, you know, intimacy. I mean, you name it. To where they wow. they're fulfilled as a human through Man. the advancement of ai so yeah he's he's a like wow. deep end like stuff but
0: yeah who would have who would have thought
1: i know I, ibm the just guy like, that
0: sings <laughs> my my lumps my humps my lovely lady lumps he's he's now
1: in yeah AI yeah systems. he's extremely intelligent and and wow. ibm just sunk a lot of money into his company they partner with him and they're you know there's a he's, he's wow. making some traction so it's interesting
0: i'm telling you i have a feeling that tonight's Going to be a good night. I think (laughs) all the the black eyed pieces.
1: Oh man, you're breaking me back.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about uh, AI in the home because we've already briefly touched on this. So, right now, AI is in our home, whether we like it or not. We've mentioned Mm -hmm. that we both have Alexa smart speakers. If you have a smartphone, most likely you have some sort of an AI system on your smartphone. Um, We have automation happening outsourcing happening so things like vacuums appliances Mm -hmm. mowers even online delivery systems for groceries and household services all of these things are happening all around us in our home to make our lives more comfortable and convenient and they're all powered by ai systems Mm -hmm. self-driving cars that's happening so the tesla is able to self-drive on Highways. Google has self-driving cars and self-driving Ubers around, um, which is interesting because they're they're very 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 safe. They're actually far safer than a human driver because they're able to detect a kind of a radius around them of different threats that would come about. They follow the speed limit. They've been programmed to follow the speed limit. Um, and so, most futurists believe that by twenty thirty, one in ten vehicles on the road globally will be self-driving hmm. so in the next 10 years that's a technology that we're going to see how do you feel about that because I've, I've talked to some people that are like man <laughs> i don't want to do that I, I love driving my car like how do you feel about that
1: i'm not i'm not that opposed to i mean if i get in a car i'm not either I, I would take it for like a little test drive you know around my neighborhood I'd, I'd slowly gain trust but um yeah that's i mean that's like crazy to think about that um yeah, you can make a cross-country trip. In a well, see,
0: that's, that's one of the things that I think would be so cool in that. I told my wife, I was like, man, I would love to get in our minivan, type in Hilton Head Island, right? Because that's where we mm-hmm. were on vacation a month ago. And then hit the, you know, go button. And then I turn my chair around and I pull out a book and the kids are eating their breakfast and they're, you know, and my wife's, you know, doing something. And we're just, you don't have to worry about it, right? Because the car mm-hmm. gets us there. And, I mean, think of that. That's, that's incredible. Yeah,
1: um, it, yeah. I was, we were talking about, um, I was talking with a guy who do, he works in the IT field, but um, we're talking about this a couple weeks back. It's like, in terms of like crime fighting, um, so everyone is putting smart locks on their doors that they can unlock with their phones and it's connected to their Wi-Fi and everyone's, you know, have these smart cars that you can unlock and start and stop with your phone and everything and self-driving mm-hmm. cars are a new thing. But he was talking about like, when, when if you commit a crime, all the law enforcement agency will need to do is like basically hit a few buttons and lock you in your car pull it over on the oh, side weird. of the road and wait for police to show up as you're locked in your own yeah. car which is crazy or they can lock you in your own home you know just the click of a few buttons come come right. to your home pick you up and take you to um, prison or whatever and um, hmm. so it's, it's really interesting that we're kind of allowing this, you know, in the name of like convenience and right. security, but it's also like, well, there's like this whole other like flip side to that too, that like, sure, you know, you got know, to think about those things too, Pri- which I mean.
0: Privacy essentially becomes a, the thing of the past. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you think about all the things that happen in your day around your home that are repetitive tasks mm-hmm. and physically intensive tasks, things that you don't like doing like dishes and laundry and yard work and cleaning most likely (laughs) 20 years from now, 30 years from now, there will be AI systems that handle that for you, which some people go, Oh, praise God. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then if you start thinking about what kind of effect will that have on us as humans in terms of, Will that make us more selfish? Hmm. Will that make us more lazy? <laughs> what will we do with all that free time that we save yeah. by things being automated? Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm sure our yeah. grandparents probably had no conception of Kroger click lists. And, um, you know, I, I now don't physically turn off my lamp. I say, Alexa, good night, and she turns off all of my lights for me. To my grandparents, they probably would have thought, our grandson is exceptionally lazy 50 years down the road, right?
1: Yeah. And I think I, think I heard one historian put it, um, civilizations tend to get in trouble when there's an excess of two things, calories and free time. Interesting. And you think about it like that's, that's the United States of America is turning into that where we have yeah. an excess of both of those things. And AI will create that even more where we have an excess of free time. And, and, yeah. and it's not like a bad thing. Like free time's good. Like, you know, obviously resting one seventh of your week and allowing yourself to be refreshed and taking that, that Sabbath, you know, it's very important, but, right. um, we're supposed to, we're also subsequently commanded to to work six days of the week. So, yeah. um, I think the way God made us, he, he places in a garden, right? And he, he said, right, work this garden, have dominion over the earth and, some of the times I feel most connected with my Creator is when I am working in my garden. I am working in the earth, and I'm work- getting my hands in dirt, you know, or mowing my lawn. And I think, Praise I God. think, yes, yeah, I think, um, I think our mental health is dependent upon interacting with creation, interacting with dirt, interacting with seeds, right. and growing and this and that. And I think that's the it's- way we were created.
0: It's interesting to point to the fact that we're essentially trying to create technology that prohibits us from interacting with the physical spaces around us as little mm-hmm. as possible. Oh yeah, yeah, and I think that, you know that's. What I'm just saying. I just yeah. think that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, I was in I was in these um, Mayan temples one time in um, in Belize, and uh, we had this little tour guide, and she's like, you know, um, answering questions and stuff. And one of the questions I had was like, w- what happens to? The- I mean, where do all these people go? Like where? and um she said well the um a famine happened and we don't know about what year but we think a famine happened and all the people who knew how to grow food left leaving the noble Mm. people like the religious elites and everybody else leaving them to fend for themselves and they had no idea how to do any of that and they all just starved out and just and just died yeah So I thought that's interesting Mm -hmm. because, like, um, you know, we're so disconnected from all of that aspect of our of our existence, and AI I think will help fuel that distancing process.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's talk about another part of the home that (laughs) AI is starting to impact, and that is AI in the bedroom. Oh gosh. Yeah. Okay, so. Our boy Jason Thacker, the one that I was telling you about, he wrote a fantastic book, The Age of AI. Yeah. Um, If you've not picked that up, you should pick it up. But I initially was introduced to Jason's work because he wrote an article for the Gospel Coalition, and the name of his article is Fake Sex in a Technological Age. And uh, he writes about how the world's first sex robot debuted in fall of 2018, Too much fanfare. Many joined waiting lists to purchase this AI-equipped doll from Abyss Creations. The doll, named Harmony X, was one of the first AI-empowered sex dolls dolls on the market. The dolls have silicone bodies that are highly customizable with upgradable body parts, hyper-realistic features. The dolls are designed so customers can choose their perfect companion, upgrade them as they see fit. The company claims this product provides a form of companionship away from men, never to be lonely again. Uh, It should be noted the female version of these sex dolls debuted first. And at the time of this writing, the company had announced the male version of the robots coming soon, which he points out (laughs) this company knows their primary market because men are susceptible to these forms of sexual temptations. Hmm. So he goes on to write basically how, you know, these AI dolls come with an app and someone can peel off a silicone face, they can um, customize personality traits, voices, even the accents of dolls. And basically, some people are banking on this AI technology to cure loneliness and provide for humanity's need for intimacy. Both physical intimacy, sexual intimacy, but even beyond that, they're touting um ai's ability to provide emotional and in the needs for companionship Hmm. um you
1: kind of have a you kind of have a judgmental tone in your voice josh i don't know
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i'm reading this and i'm just going are you kidding me like people are and and like um one of the articles that you know it had this older guy and he's got his arm around this this doll, and he's talking about how, you know, real relationships were just so messy. And and so all these people are saying, you know, hey, this is a way for people to enjoy noncommittal sex without Mm -hmm. any of the complications or heartbreak that goes into it. And some have even seen it as a way to combat the uh, destructive motives of incels. you ever heard that phrase, an incel? No, I haven't. So, like, really angry young men that Uh, will commit acts of terrorism or violence.
1: Yeah. Interesting. So this is like like a release for them basically.
0: Yeah. So basically like, you know, young men that are angry and violent because they seek revenge on, you know, women who've turned them down sexually and relationally. Mm -hmm. And so this gives them a way to have companionship and intimacy. I think that's the Mm. most bizarre part of this technology is we're creating something that looks like a woman Mm -hmm. and we're allowing men to basically create their own sex slaves that look like women. Yeah. And then at the same time, the me too movement is coming on and saying, don't objectify women.
1: Yeah. That's so, so odd. I mean, isn't that the essence of like, like biblical marriage and, and sexuality is that a man would learn how, to treat his wife with dignity and respect and love and compassion and sacrifice and, and, in doing so gain, you know, the privilege of intimacy. And that's, that's, that's the institution of marriage. It's like that, you know, um, that's not the, that's not the be all and end all of marriage, obviously, because there are people who, because of health reasons, um, they can't continue to, to, to have sex or whatever, but it's like they, they, um they still to death do his part but i think um that's that's why god gave men wives that's why adam was given eve it's like there there's a longing in every man for that companionship but with that right. comes a a responsibility for every man to to treat his bride as messiah treats his bride to be willing mm-hmm. to lay down his life and i think you know intimacy you're going to be ultimately you're going to be left feeling empty and lonely and sad anyways i mean as many times as you have sex with i mean
0: it's essentially a a piece of silicone right but i mean here's what's crazy is it reflects how we as humans apart from god and apart from the biblical worldview we view Mm -hmm. sex we view it as simply a physical act right right and then we wonder why we're so lonely and why we're so empty yeah but you know austin thacker uh, or excuse me, Jason Thacker. he pointed out, and I think it was the book, the age of AI. He said, you know, these people that are buying these sex dolls and saying, Hey, you know, I've got a new companion. He's like, you can customize this companion to do anything you want it to do, but you never have to hold her when she's sad and she's crying. Mm hmm you never have to sit by her side when she's sick and take care of her when she's sick you never have to sit and listen to her talk about her day and how her day was not a good day at work so yeah. essentially it's it's a it's one a turning, way yeah and it's and basically it's an understanding of intimacy and intimacy is all about something else meeting my needs not mm-hmm. about me learning how to be sacrificial and loving to meet someone else's needs
1: right which i think i think is what the world does th- through through the agency of our enemy, Satan, is that we should be people who are all about taking aspects of the physical, real existence and elevating them and keeping them holy. And sexuality Mm -hmm. is one of those things that it should be holy. It's precious. The institution of marriage is holy. It's precious. It's God-given. It's a blessing. it's It's a gift to us. And the world is all about taking those holy things and profaning them and making them just like mundane. Not not necessarily right. like running them through the mud or anything like that. Just but just kind of making them like not holy. You know what I'm saying? Right. So yeah, like you said, sexuality is a God given gift, and it's it's something that should be seen as as a very almost like spiritual kind of thing too. Um, well, right. That but, two I mean, human
0: understanding of it is the mingling of souls, right? The two yeah, should become one. Yeah, to become like, one. Yeah. And so essentially, when a person says, "Well, I have a sexual companion in a machine." Yeah, you're you're, no so so.
1: I hope I don't come off like like uh, I don't know, um, sacrilegious or something when I say this. I don't mean that. But if if Adam said to to God, I'm I'm lonely. I'm missing something. What's missing from this equation? And then God gave him an AI sex doll. Adam would be, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like eventually, Adam would be like, yeah. no, there's something still missing. You know, like this is not it. Right, 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 and,
0: right, right. And and
1: I think ultimately, God God made women to complete men. There, we're like, right. we need each other to to, like you said, become one. Otherwise, we're a half. And right. when we when we glue ourselves to each other, um, just through you know companionship and sexuality, whatever the case may be. We Then we complete yeah. ourselves, and that's a beautiful and holy picture of sure. the way it should be.
0: Well, and I think, too, our understanding of sex is being reflected in the technology that we've created to fulfill and gratify our sexual mm. longings. The, there's and, an interesting... and at the same time, it's leaving us completely empty. Yeah, yeah. Because what we truly are longing for is intimacy and true intimacy will involve sexuality but in a marriage right but it's so much more than that so much deeper than that and i think that that's what you know we we've done as a culture with pornography and Mm -hmm. you know just the the hyper sexualizing of everything and everybody and the you know hook up shack up breakup culture
1: when i think you know all of our listeners are probably mature adults but i'll say this you know one of the dangers they say about the pornography is that as you're watching this as a man, you're seeing women do things that are not normal, like a married couple would do in the bedroom, right? right? So you're seeing these right. like, and and it it creates all these like it, it releases all these um, uh, uh, dopamine and stuff in your brain, and it's like so mm-hmm. when you you're a 16 year old and you're you're watching this for three years leading up to your marriage, and suddenly you enter the bedroom with your wife for the first time, and you're like, oh, this is my only frame of reference for like sexuality is what I watch these women do in these pornographic films and so like let's just take that let's take it to the next level now now your your parents buy you this doll you know at the age of 17 or 16 or whatever or you know maybe you're just a grown man and you your only frame of reference when it comes to sexuality is having sex with a with a with a robot and then you're like okay yeah I'm missing something I'm lonely and I want to get married to a human being and i want to have sex with a human being and it's like can you imagine being a wife of a man that all he knew was like having it'd be horrific it'd be awful and i think it's really it's it's setting us up for so much failure and ultimately it's going to fall back on women and and um the objectification of further objectification of women in the bedroom it's it's going to be catastrophic when it comes to that
0: oh man that's crazy man that's crazy to think about that's the world our yeah, our, our kids are growing up. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. What's really fascinating, mm-hmm. and if if I were to go to Israel today, and I were to ask them the Hebrew word for um, a computer, um, it's the word um, chash, uh, machash, machashev. Um, I think I'm pronouncing it right, machashev. Um, if you if you if you pull that back into the Hebrew Bible, um, the word computer, machashev. It's actually used in the Hebrew Bible. It's used in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, um, chapter 6. Um, and this is really interesting. It's just, and, and I don't take it or leave it, but in Genesis chapter 6, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every machashev, that's that word for computer, of the hmm. thoughts of his heart were continually evil. And the Lord regretted that he made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. So he said, I will blot man out who I created off the face of the land. So it's so interesting that like they chose that to be the modern Hebrew word for computer is machashev. And we translate it in the Bible as intention or thoughts or imaginations. So the, Hmm. the imaginations of man were so evil by Genesis chapter six, and we're just a few generations into humanity at this point. Right. That God's like, I need to start from scratch. I need to blot these people wow. out. So I think we're seeing a resurgence of the machashev, the intentions and the the imaginations of people. They may it may not have manifested itself in in the form of like computers or AI in Genesis chapter six, but it was something, right? right? But sure. now sure, it, sure, it sure. is. It's definitely our imaginations. Like like I can imagine something and. This doll will do that, you know, or this right, right, right. computer that's doing it. You well, know, it's and really and crazy. About
0: this, we talked about this the last episode. What when we talk about social media? What social media does? Social media is amoral, right? It's a, mm-hmm. it's like a brick. Mm-hmm. A brick can be used to build a hospital or can be used to bash somebody in the head. It, all it does is it empowers us to be more of what we already are. Mm-hmm. So if someone begins with the basic premise that humans are basically good all AI would be used for is to benefit the human race. Yeah. But we as Christians know that the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things and who can know it. And that our central problem as humans is that we were born into sin. And so we're not basically good. We're basically fallen Mm. and we need salvation. And so what, what does that mean when it comes to this technology? It means that it's going to reflect our depravity. Yeah. that we're going to use this technology as humans to exercise our depravity and to invent new ways of doing evil.
1: Well, you could you could tie that over, to, you could um, translate it over to like, uh, nuclear energy, right? Um, mm. I mean, we can harness nuclear energy. Yeah. For, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm sure. I'm watching you on my computer and talking to you on my computer because of nuclear energy and we're tied into a nuclear power plant. But think of the great evil and the great, death and destruction that can come from nuclear energy um, yeah. at the push of a button. But yeah, I think AI hey. is the same thing. It amplifies the, the intent yeah. of man's heart.
0: Hey, speaking of which, let's talk about AI in war. Mm. So even right now, AI in weaponry involves things like drones. Mm-hmm. So unmanned combat aerial vehicles or even combat vehicles that are being developed to rely on AI systems.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, There are missile detection systems. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen David's Sling in Israel.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So the Iron Dome in Israel, basically. Yeah, so there's a lot of AI systems in that, basically to defend against uh, missiles. Um, There's technology that's being developed for lethal autonomous weapons. Mm. So basically... Weapon systems that independently search for and engage targets based on programmed constraints and descriptions that they're programmed into. So people that are developing these, they have basically this vision that autonomous systems someday can conduct missions, they can um, automate tasks, they can make quicker, better, more objective decisions than humans. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be an alarmist, but this is. This is kind of scary, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, Because a lot of analysts have argued that right now, there's actually a global arms race that's happening for stronger and for better military AI. Mm -hmm. And the six countries that are leading it would have be, you know, what most people expect. That'd be the US, China, Russia, the UK. Yeah, (laughs) as, as... Wonderful pronunciation of that. But then two countries that I think, if you understand kind of what's surrounding them, South Korea and Israel.
1: hmm Yeah.
0: Um, because there have been analysts all across the world that have basically warned that if these nations don't develop autonomous weapons, those technologies will inevitably fall into the hands of terrorist groups. Yeah. Such as the Islamic State.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I have a friend that was, um, fighting ISIS in Syria. Um, and yeah, they were, they were finding, uh, they were finding drones with, with grenades attached to them. Yeah. Wow. And that's, that's like a, it's a pretty, um, podunk group of fighters, uh, you know, is ISIS, yeah. but sure. I can not imagine what, um, China is coming up with in terms of, of warfare, but to, to think about it, like sure. it, the future of warfare, um, is going to be, uh, this like privatization of, so so basically I would I would wake up in the morning, eat breakfast, go in my office, log into this confidential system, um, and control a drone and fight from my office, my in home office, and I would right. be getting paid by the hour to sit there and fight a war from from thousands of miles away. Um, yeah, you know that's that's really I mean it might the vehicle the the chassis through which I wage war might vary. It might be, you know, aerial, it might be sea, it might be land, but that's absolutely the future of warfare is, is sitting in, you know, we're all sitting in our own homes. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's so bizarre to think about.
0: Well, and even too, like be one step beyond that, you're not actively piloting a drone or you're not actively piloting Mm -hmm. a, um, you know, a, a vehicle, those things are being driven right. by an AI system and you're yeah. basically overseeing it yeah. and yeah. you're making sure it's doing its job. And the problem with that is there's some massive ethical issues related to that. Mm-hmm. Um, would it take more lives without any sort of moral or ethical compass? Because it's, it's not subjective. It's not like a soldier in a battlefield that goes, Oh my goodness. You know, there's a bunch of civilians over there An AI system could just go, well, that looks like, you know, an insurgent and, objectively without any sort of hesitation mm-hmm. engage a target that's not actually a insurgent or not actually an enemy
1: well then those systems can be hacked as well you know and right. used against it. it's just crazy
0: or could they go rogue and could they develop intelligence that would actually cause them to turn against <laughs> do you know what i'm saying i mean like yeah you know we're, we're talking like you know yeah. uh cyberdyne systems model 101 terminator robots right but i mean that's that's a real possibility as far-fetched as it sounds.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> Great. <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah.
0: But no, yeah, just I think be thinking of Arnold,
1: what did they say? Um Arnold yeah, coming to see you. Somebody looked this up and tell us, email us and tell me who said this. I can't remember, but, um, they said, uh, we don't know what World War III will be fought with, but but I know that World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. Have you ever heard that quote before? Mm.
0: I have never heard that quote before. I bet but, it was Will I Am that said that.
1: Uh I have to look it up.
0: Uh, yeah, but, let me give you another another quote that yeah. Will I Am said. Sure. Um, <laughs> I'm so 2008. You're so 2000 and late. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay, so with is- that though. Yeah, that was oh, it was Albert know,
1: Einstein. Albert Einstein. I do not know what know. weapons World War... Who is that? Th- yeah. i do.
0: <laughs> I do <laughs> that's, not... That's, that's the other guy in the black eyed piece. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He says, I know not with what weapons World War Three will be fought, but World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. That's really interesting. That is really interesting.
0: So there's a lot of uh, scholars and developers that have basically signed bans that their company will not develop automated weapon systems. Mm -hmm. So Elon Musk, uh, Steve Wozniak from Apple, um, the folks over at Google, Stephen Hawking was a strong advocate for a ban of lethal automated weapon systems. Because, I mean, it is, it is basically Pandora's box. I mean, what, mm-hmm. what happens if you open that technology?
1: Yeah, it's like mutual destruction, basically.
0: Yeah. And, there um, I mean,
1: the companies will arise that will create that. I mean, it's not like...
0: Yeah, and I guess that's, that becomes a big dilemma. Okay, so it's like nuclear war. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to fall into the wrong hands. So it's almost like you have to have it in order for it to not fall in the wrong hands, but you mm-hmm. don't want to ever have to use it, you know? Right, yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) So AI in the workplace, um, this is probably the most practical implication of AI. That's probably going to affect all of us over the next 10 years. And that is that jobs that are labor intensive and repetitive, such as factory jobs, driving, data entry, those will most likely be replaced by AI systems. Hmm. Because an AI system in a factory doesn't need brakes, it doesn't make mistakes.
1: Yeah, doesn't unionize.
0: It, it doesn't unionize. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't talk back. It doesn't need healthcare benefits, right? And so, the most pressing issue with AI, practically speaking, for all of us, is the future loss of jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about all the people that are working in factories all across our world right now that essentially they're going to become irrelevant in terms of their job, not them as human beings, but just in terms of what they. Yeah do. Um, And then that would lead to great wealth inequality because people that own factories and people that own AI systems that run factories, they get even wealthier while the people that used to work in the factories no longer have any jobs and they don't have any skills in order to gain more wealth. So it becomes a greater gap in wealth earnings because of something like ai Hmm. yeah something i didn't think about yeah that's That's probably the most practical like implication that's probably going to affect us global economy and then kind of one of the last we've already talked about it is data and privacy so yeah like it's only going to get more invasive in terms of what ai is able to gain out of us so there's facial recognition software that's already being used in major u.s cities and in China to police people. Mm -hmm. Um, There are algorithms on smartphone cameras, laptop cameras, smart speakers, various platforms. They're harvesting our data, they're analyzing it. They're basically collecting our data so they can hyper-individualize our user experiences on various platforms. So that's ads shown to us, it's content that's suggested to us, all of that stuff. And as AI gets smarter, and more widespread we're not going to have as much privacy yeah and the world's going to get smaller in the sense of or if why is
1: that problematic though and that's like kind of the question overarching question is like yeah um if if we're doing everything on the up and up and like and you know i'm like well i'm kind of boring you know like i'm just i i abide by the law or whatever um why should that be problematic to the average christian in Uh. the united states of america
0: I will say, and this is a huger, a huger, is that a word? No, it's not. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Hey, by the way, you know I have my master's degree in English. Yeah, I don't even know what the word is. It's huger. That's what kids do to you. Yeah, (laughs) I know exactly. Okay, so this is a massive topic, but here's the thing. In China right now, I don't know if you saw this, they are cracking down on Christians in China today. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like in the last 24 hours, they have basically told Christians in China, you should not worship Jesus. You should worship the state. Mm-hmm. Okay, now here's here's the issue. Because the state is actively going after Christians, and then they have a technology that basically enables them to track every movement of every Christian that is there, it becomes easier for the state to control and to oppress groups that they find as troublemakers. Yeah. Yeah. So I think data and privacy, the reason that is an issue for us in an area to be concerned with is it's going to be a lot harder to do things that the state deems as troublesome. Yeah. That and I, th- I
1: think that's kind of the mindset that we need to get people in, not I don't know when this will happen but I think I think we're naive to think that that uh, the United States of United States uh, of America the federal government at some point in time will not legislate away parts of our faith. Um I think we're we're naive yeah. to at least ponder the the possibilities of that. Um and and that's alarming to people to, because we think of a um, United States of America as the promised land, right? Like that's the we're the city mm-hmm. on the shining city on the hill. It can't happen to us. But um no it, it definitely it definitely can, and i w- I would argue that it's very possible it will in our lifetime where there will be aspects of our faith that will be troublesome that will be l- deemed hateful um a right. The unsafe right and and yeah, I think I think we need to look at what does it look like if you have to delete all your social media? what does it look like if you have to get rid of a smartphone you know it might be not hmm. it might not be you, it might be your kids it might be, but um hmm. we give up our privacy and our personal liberties for two reasons, for safety or security um, and for convenience. So let's say, you know, uh, three presidents from now. um,
0: it's So after Kanye runs two terms. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry, continue. (laughs)
1: It's (laughs) illegal to do X, Y, and Z which are fundamental tenants of our faith Mm. for various reasons. I don't know why, but let's just say, let's just hypothetically say that. Um, You would have to, A, either get rid of all of the AI that's in your home because they're listening to every conversation that's going on in your home and you would eventually spill the beans. Um, Or B, you would have to find a watered down, diluted version of your faith which is what's going on in a lot of these countries where Christianity is highly persecuted is there's always like a state approved version of mm-hmm. that faith. And that's right. the people who are adherents adherence to that state approved version of that faith are always the one that are, they're the ones that are issuing the persecution, the greatest persecution on the underground, what they would call the illegitimate version of their faith. Um, mm. But I think we need to look at what, at least play that forward in our minds. What does that look like in our nation? Yeah. Um, because I think, and, and
0: I don't think honestly, I don't think Americans are ready. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Like, I just don't. I feel like we have been so spoiled, Mm -hmm. and some people still hold to the delusion that, you know, what needs to happen in America is that Christianity is going to return to the days of Mm -hmm. where Christianity is relevant in the public square and positions of great influence and power and... You know, everybody's Christian. Like, that's what some mm-hmm. people have in mind for, you know, that's the vision for how they think things are going to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm and just I'm just postulating, what if that doesn't? I mean, just what if— What I, if?
0: I, I don't think it is. I think, yeah. like, as we get closer to the turn of Christ, I mean, I think we have in the Word of God that it's going to be harder and harder to stand for Christ.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And with the advancement of this kind of technology, I mean, gosh. Well— Think about, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I mean, it,
1: it, it, what, what if what if um, Corey Ten Boom had an Alexa in her home, right? What, I mean, right. Yeah. what yeah, if yeah, yeah. what if Adolf Hitler had major companies like Google and Facebook working in, for him in the Third right? That's week? terrifying. You know, yeah. like think about the sure. the amount of Jews he would be able to prevent from sneaking out of his country. Yeah, I mean, think about that. What if Nero had an Alexa? and everyone's home. And I'm not saying, like, that's the role, that's the goal of every president of the United States of America, but I'm just mm-hmm. saying we're naive to think... All is
0: one leader, yeah.
1: Yeah, we're naive to think that that a governmental leader will partner with private companies for the sake of public safety. That's what, it'll come down, it will right. look like public safety. And that's the best, that's the best way to get people to swallow that that pill. And so what if Nero, in the, in, you know, Rome was torched in 64. Hey, we need to find the people who do this. They're going to do it again. So what we're going to do, we need you. We need your help, you know? Um, right. And I mean, gosh, some of the things that George Bush opened up the door for with the Patriot Act and stuff, like there's some, some crazy yeah. stuff in there. But.
0: And, and you know what's crazy, man, is like there's so much that we didn't know, but we had the ability to know, but we just didn't care about. Mm-hmm. With things like the Patriot Act.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: And there's so much now when it comes to AI that we don't know. But if we dig a little bit and research and read a little bit, just kind of like what we've done tonight, talking about those kinds of things, Mm -hmm. you find out, oh, my gosh, this stuff is coming. Yeah. But then the tendency is just to go, oh, well, that doesn't affect me yet. And so we're (laughs) not preparing our souls. We're not preparing our churches. We're not preparing our families. We're... You know what I'm saying? Like, I think there's a there's a way in which we can, instead of looking at all these things and saying, okay, so there's some benefits to it, but wow, there's some potential dangers of this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that our response as Christians should be, I need to make sure that I and my children and my church, we understand what it means to be human. We understand what the Bible says about sex. Mm-hmm what the Bible says about our identity in the sense of um, I am not what I do in terms of my job, because my job could be outsourced to a robot. And if my identity is so wrapped up to my job, then yeah. I'm not going to have an identity. And we need to make sure that we are committed and dedicated to the practice of living out our faith. Even if that day comes when the government is able to persecute the church heavily mm-hmm on a far more pervasive level than ever before because of technology. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I think we need to teach them too, that, um, this life is, is temporal and the worst that anyone can do is change our address. And, Mm. you know, it's like, like Paul says, um, to live is Christ to die is gain. And if we instill Mm. those kinds of values in our, in our children, in our churches and our congregations, um, we can't go wrong. Um, but yeah, I think I think we will wake up one day and we'll be like, "Whoa, what has happened?" You know, right. and, and it it will be a I think it will be a slow kind of slow boil persecution that will come across the United States of America yeah. if it comes, and I'm I'm pretty certain it will. I hope it doesn't. And it so. um Yeah, but yeah. Anywho. Well.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Hey, let's end on a somewhat positive note or somewhat curious note. Yeah. So when I was in college good friend of mine recommended an album to me by a band called Our Lady Peace, and the name of the album was called The Age of Spiritual Machines. Did you ever get into Our Lady Peace? No, I haven't. uh uh-uh. Canadian band. I really liked them. They were pretty good. But the album was called The Age of Spiritual Machines, and I was like, what in the world is that about? And it was a concept album based on a book that was written in 1990 by a guy by the name of Raymond Kurzweil. Hmm. And Raymond Kurzweil was a futurist, or is a futurist, rather, and he made some starting, startlingly accurate predictions about the future of technology. In fact, his book, Age of Spiritual Machines, he wrote in 1990, 86% of the things he predicted um, have come true. Wow, that's amazing. So he predicted things like smartphones, like voice recognition text access to the internet at all time. He predicted cloud computing, you know, like the iCloud and things like that. Yeah. And so it's fun to ask the question of old Mr. Kurzweil, what's going to happen next? Hmm. Oath soothsayer, prognosticator, notre dame And here's what he says, and we'll end on this. He predicts, and I don't know how much of this is true, and some of this I don't actually know what he's talking about. But I can pretend. <laughs> so by the 2020s, the decade that we're in, um, Raymond Kurzweil has predicted that many diseases will go away as nanobots become smarter than current medical technology. So kind of talked about advances in AI and the medical field. Um, he talked about the Turing test that we mentioned earlier. That will begin to become passable. Self-driving cars will begin to take over the roads, and he's predicted that people eventually won't be allowed to drive on highways. That you'll get a ticket if you start driving on highways.
1: Weird. Yeah. Yeah. No. I could totally see. Yeah. I could totally see uh, car insurance companies saying, "Yeah, we're, we yeah. we will give you a discount if you own a." Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's predicted in the 2030s that virtual reality will begin to feel one hundred percent real. Wow. That that's terrifying. Be, that's I, I know, isn't it? Um, that we'll be able to upload our mind and our consciousness by the end of the decade. So I mentioned that earlier, how he kind of predicted that's what we'll be able to do. He thinks by the end of 2030s, we'll be able to do that. Um, by the 2040s, he's predicted that non-biological intelligence will be a billion times more capable than biological intelligence. So... We are biological intelligence and non-biological will be robots. That's interesting. Uh, he says nanotech foglets will be... I don't even know what that is. Hmm. Whatever these things are, nanotech foglets, they'll be able to make food out of thin air and create any object in the physical world at a whim.
1: That sounds pretty... <laughs> su- I'm not going <laughs> to lie. That sounds pretty sweet. I mean...
0: Yeah, it does. It sounds pretty it's weird. like a Star Trek. Yeah. And uh, by 2045, he says, we will multiply our intelligence a billion fold. Wow. By linking wirelessly from our neocortex to a synthetic neocortex in the cloud.
1: Wow. Yeah, that that reminds me of um, Daniel. uh, It says, um, roll up the scroll, seal the words until the mm -hmm. time of the end. Many will go here and there, and knowledge will increase. Ooh.
0: Hmm. That's crazy. You know what's crazy? 1990 was 30 years ago.
1: Yeah, that is crazy.
0: And if you or I went back 30 years ago and showed up to our dads who were our age Mm -hmm. then, right, and said, hey, guess what? I've got a computer in my pocket that at any given time I can access this thing called the Internet and I can do this and I can do that. And they probably would have been like, you're crazy. (laughs) Right? Right. But yeah. we're looking thirty years in the future, at twenty sixty, and our minds are going. Yeah, I don't know if that's ever going to be possible, but who knows?
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think I think our iPhones are something like two to three hundred times stronger computers than what was on the first space shuttle.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I just want my self-driving skateboard, my hoverboard, like on Back to the Future, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? I mean, that's, they said that would they said that would be possible by twenty fifteen. Didn't happen. Hmm. Yeah. That's all I want. I don't know what to believe in. I don't know. Golly. Well, Gabe, I think we've about solved every single issue related to artificial intelligence.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. This may, be, this may be an angry email episode. I don't know. I, I hope Probably. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see.
0: Do you, think, do you think 30 years from now we could go back and listen to this podcast and laugh about how wrong we were about certain things? Hmm.
1: I hope so. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I, hope, <laughs> if not, I hope, I hope. I we're not
0: sitting in a bunker somewhere, you know, with yeah. tangles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, my goodness. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening this far. It's been a long episode, but, uh, yeah, it seems like we're getting longer and longer the more episodes I we do. Yeah. Well, you know, we just have more to talk about, so. Maybe next time we'll do like a 20-minute episode or something. I don't know. Yeah. So, All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and uh, stay safe, and don't tell too many things to your Amazon. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. That's our show. If you like what you've heard, make sure to give us a share, leave us a review, or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast@gmail.com. gmail.com.